0: What do we say, fam? Welcome to Simplexity, a little podcast where we take seemingly complex matters and attempt to make them plain and simple. My name is Sammy Foster, joined with my counterpart, the one and only Boots. Boots, it's good to good to see you. Good, good to, to be here you. with you. Amen. It's always great to start my day <laughs> in the studio with your with best boots, friend. With my best bud. You know. Uh, what? Sorry. (laughs) I'm not your best bud. (laughs) Oh, it's it's one of my best buds. Oh, wow. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start this off just by uh, asking our viewers and and listeners to go ahead. You know how you typically do this all the way at the end? You say, hey, like and review and subscribe and And send us your social security number, (laughs) bank account and all that. All of that. I want to say on the front end, okay. If you do like us, and you do listen to us, then would you please send money to us? No, <laughs> J.K. We do want you to like, subscribe, and give a good review. I've been reading the reviews. This is this is like hot off the top of my head right now because I was recently reading the reviews yeah. and was just really, really encouraged by. Most of them. Most of them. <laughs> Most of them. Now everybody's going to go there to, to yeah. read what people are saying. Well, when you read them,
1: it's your mission to, uh, to add to the noise. Amen. Way <laughs> into the conversation.
0: Yeah. Make your voice heard. Yeah, providing that it's positive. But we love you. We want to hear from you. And so from the onset, yeah. go ahead and do that.
1: We're looking at you, Seattle. <laughs> I <laughs> haven't talked to you in a while.
0: No, you haven't. I haven't given them a little shout out. I know. We still love you though, Yeah. especially if you short. rate and review us. Absolutely. So what's the subject matter today? Let's get to it.
1: So I, I hear that what we're chatting about today is a conversation you and I have had a little bit leading up to this point. That's right. And that is on the matter of burnout.
0: Come on. Burnout. You and I recently had a conversation wherein... One of the sort of shocking statistics is that 50% of the American workforce now suffers from burnout. I found that number staggering. Mm -hmm. And this has been, you know, obviously spotlighted since post-COVID, but in light of the current American workforce, there is this, uh, by and large, feeling that people are being worked too hard um, they don't have the mental capacity to stay motivated, passionate about what they once were. And so people are suffering from burnout. Uh, Beck, I want to fact check. I believe the American workforce constitutes 100 167 million people you got it you are brilliant that's good it's like an old steel trap up there the old (laughs) girl's still working yeah so that means that 83 give or take million people say that they're burning out that's a lot of people (laughs) lots of people i now uh, you know obviously some of the disclaimer here needs to be you know Do really 167 million people actually work. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not so optimistic. I'm going to say there's probably about 12 out there. (laughs) Jury's still out on that one. But of the 167, 83 million say that they are burning out. I find that really, really telling Mm -hmm. and worthwhile because I have a degree of empathy towards those that have burnt out or have suffered underneath of that I felt like it'd be a good conversation to have, to have be that the issue is so wide reaching.
1: Now you mentioned its connection to COVID. Yeah. Do you, what, what do you think the correlation there is? Yeah. Because so, it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Sorry to I ask a question then I interrupt. No, 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 <laughs> when no, 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 no,
0: no, no. Lead that question a little bit. Cause I want to, I want to see where you're thinking. Well, so,
1: when you think about what happened during COVID, obviously we can all disagree about how it was handled or right. all the other conversations surrounding COVID-19. But one of the things that a lot of people will acknowledge is that much of society, much of the workforce, much of our personal lives came to a screeching halt. Right. So you essentially stopped work unless you were an essential worker and all, all that. Yada, yada. That said, it's interesting to me that now we're entering a phase where 50% of the workforce is experiencing burnout when we just had this kind of seismic pause, yeah. if you will, that would theoretically
0: bring a halt to over overworkedness. Absolutely. So that was a wonderful lead of the question because I do Your think- Your Honor, leading the witness. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that it exposes some whether discrepancies or it surfaces, at minimum, some questions. The questions being, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Be the fact that people did get a lengthy time off. And be the fact that workers are not returning to their places, their occupations, their previous jobs once held. And now there's a real suffrage under what any sociologist would call we have lost the common work ethic that people are adverse to work, they um, even, you know, there's this uh, been initiation of what's called quiet quitting, doing Mm -hmm. the bare minimum, expecting the maximum result. Why then is there so much burnout? And so what some articles that I've read have really pointed to is that the burnout was already there prior to COVID. What COVID created was a frame or a perspective that now allows people to be a little more self-aware of what was happening, what they weren't aware of, but now no longer wanna repeat or have, uh, are, are underneath of. And so people were burning out, but the pace, the grind, the rate of everything was so fast that people didn't even know it and people didn't have time to stop long enough to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Then COVID hit people then were made aware of wait a minute that pace of life was unsustainable what i was doing was alter, offering my you know my family on the altar of work and prosperity and the american dream and man it cost me my relationships and real happiness and contentment and now that people have been called back to that rate the grind the pace people now are much more apt to go i'm burning out hmm. now I'm not here to get into whether or not it's legitimate burnout or it is just, um, you know. A lack of work ethic. A lack of work ethic, a victim mentality, what have you. For all intents and purposes, what I do want to state is, is that there is a distinct difference between burnout and stress. So, So we need to really define what burnout is. Yeah so we don't conflate it or give credence to what it is not stress nine times out of ten is contingent on a situation a circumstance or a season meaning that you find yourself in your space and place in life of where i'm stressed out because of the lack of finances man you know there's been more bills that came in that i didn't anticipate now i'm under the financial stress that I don't know how to rob Peter to pay Paul. You can be under marital stress where you and your spouse are not firing on all cylinders. You're fighting, you're arguing, it's contentious. It's stressing you out. There's a lack of trust or broken trust that now it adds a weight that causes you stress. You can be under occupational stress, the workload, the demand signal, the time spent there is abnormal to where now you're really stressing because if you don't perform, it might cause your job to be in jeopardy. That's a Many times that's rooted seasonally, circumstantially, situationally. Burnout is what happens mentally and emotionally when you stay in any one of those places too long. Hmm. So where you are circumstantial, situational, seasonal, and then you lose the hope that there's, bless you. I don't think, I don't think I've ever sneezed on something. <laughs> how, how, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. how do you say it? Gesundheit? No.
1: You still didn't say it right. How do
0: you say it? Gazoon
1: type.
0: That's what I just said, type. <laughs> no. Hey, I'm sorry, let me try it again. type. No! There's no C in there. Never mind all that trash. What, what, what is that language anyhow? It's German. Is it? Isn't it? I don't
1: know. Tight.
0: <laughs> Fact check that. Don't even <laughs> Can we get back to- what? I'm
1: sorry I sneezed, I couldn't help <laughs> and it. And wrecked everything. Please continue. So. Burnout is stress in perpetuity.
0: Stress in perpetuity. <laughs> <laughs> there you go little partner. So, so that, that's, that's what happens, is that you lose hope that, wait a minute, there's an off-ramp coming. There's a financial promotion, windfall, raise. Me and my wife are going to get along, and we're going to stop this fighting, bickering, this dysfunction. Um, I am going to find alleviation in my job, you know, where, hey, you know, this contract that I'm under or this sale that I'm trying to sort of close, it will come to a finish line. You lose hope. That the end is in sight, and it takes its toll on you emotionally, mentally, even physically, of where you get burnt out. Mm. And you know, tr- truth be told, I, I've I've talked to a many pastor friends that since COVID have really suffered under the foreground of burnout, or even found themselves completely burnt out, um, of where. They, they've lost hope or any degree of optimism that it's going to get better. So this is really why my heart breaks when it comes to those pastors that have no staff, they carry the full workload, the church isn't growing like they hoped that it would, the giving offerings, they're down, so they don't have any resources to try to grow or to launch new initiatives man, they are left to marry and bury and preach. And, and then they realize, I don't see any turnaround coming. I don't see, man, whether it was the dream that I had or the vision of what ministry would look like ever coming into fruition, that is the prime sort of fertile soil for burnout to set in, mm-hmm. to where you realize this isn't just situational or circumstantial, this is in perpetuity and i don't see any light at the he- end of the tunnel people you know that in my arena of of occupation if you will that being ministry mm-hmm. i hear it far too often and um, and i know that you know burnout is transcendent so it's not just yeah. you know ministry but it's it's in every occupation evidently as noted by yeah the, the 50% stat
1: no but you did mention pastors you mentioned ministry as well I guess when I'm hearing that example that you're describing, the reverse of that is true as well, in that maybe you can experience such growth or such expanse of pace um, that that can lend itself to burnout as well. I mean, I know that Lighthouse went through a similar season of rapid growth over a short period of time, and that is sure to put its strain on the staff and the pastors. I was wondering if that is something that you had experience with, and, and if it resulted in burnout.
0: It did. It did. And actually, that's why I have an empathy for those that are enduring burnout. Our story is, as you just stated, one of enduring seasons that though it wasn't a result of downturn, it was just a result of doing things and making decisions among seasons of growth that were really unhealthy um as steve and john and i and the elders often talk about there were times in and among the growth of lighthouse that we started to make decisions that were more reactive rather than proactive or sort of forward future focused it was the immediate it was the tyranny of the urgent Mm. wherein these decisions caused more pressure and what i mean by that is is that there were times of Lighthouse's growth of where it was like taking a 250-pound body and placing it on a 12-year-old's frame. It was just too much. The demand was too much. The people were in abundance. The, the, the need of counseling, um, uh, one-on-one mentorship mm-hmm. was so high that we couldn't keep up. Didn't have the infrastructure. Certainly not. And so we started to do things in the thought, right motives, with integrity, and thought this is how we get through it, where we'll just add more opportunity. So like we would add services. At certain times we would add campuses. And all of this stuff, not realizing that for every yes then came a no, or for every decision made implications were to follow. And so all that resulted in, and we could get in the details of all that, all that resulted in is that we just all had to move faster more often. Mm -hmm. And that. Yourself included. Myself included. And so one of the reasons that we made that decision is because at that season, these seasons of growth, these seasons of exponential growth, uh, the demand signal was high. Remember now, in the early years of Lighthouse, when a lot of this was happening, I could argue right now it's still happening, but in those seasons, we, me among all of our staff, we were young. And so that meant that we had a lot of margin and that we had a lot of passion and a lot of motivation. And there wasn't a whole lot of things keeping us from that pursuit. And so there weren't kids, many weren't married yet. And so I felt like, okay, so I'm the leader, I'm set to, you know, I'm here to set the pace. And and at times I didn't want to let people down. I wanted to try to meet all those needs. And so I just started pulling harder, running faster. And everybody else could in that season join with me. What I didn't factor in is that I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't considering the implications of trying to sustain that rate. Um, I wasn't realizing the toll that it would take on my marriage. I wasn't, I wasn't wise. And when I was asked, Hey, Sammy, how are you? I would give a genuine, I'm good. I'm good. And I'm good looking too. (laughs) And I'm fun to hang out (laughs) with. And so the elders would keep a keen eye on me, but then there came junctures of manifestation of where I realized, wait a minute, something's broken. Like what? Like uh, the first telltale was I broke out in shingles. Mm. Um, Shingles for those that have suffered from a bout of shingles, it is terrible. Mm. I mean, debilitating, shut me down. And I broke out with shingles and I went to the doctor so as was to find remedy for it. And he said to me, I remember this, this question distinctly. He said, how much stress are you under? And I said to him, I said, I don't think any at all. I'm good. <laughs> and I meant it. I mean, yeah. I wasn't trying to just so unaware. That of it. <laughs> no, I was like, Oh, I'm good. And what I realized was I had calibrated to my degree of stress and just sort of, oriented around it. And his response was, (laughs) sort of, he laughed at me. And he said, you must understand that shingles is an autoimmune disease that's really, the catalyst is stress. That it's your body's way of telling you, you are under too much stress. Mm. The fact that you don't realize how much stress you're carrying is alarming, as it should be to you. He said, so you need to understand, This is your body slowing you down or manifesting in unhealthy ways as a result of stress. I realized that Ruth and I were both sitting there like, whoa, okay." well, I think I did a few things to mitigate my stress at the time, but it was in no time I was right back up running at the same pace. And then I hit another wall. That other wall would break would be a result of where I broke out with the worst case of psoriasis that again autoimmune This is my body's way of telling me i was away at a conference with steve healy dave shibilsky and john smart Mm. your brother and i shared a room and we were in between sessions on this particular day and i had taken my shirt off to you know because you need a couple different fit changes (laughs) getting ready for the evening outfit And I remember John standing behind me. I was looking out the window and he's like, hey, hey, dude, mm-hmm. what is going on with your body? Yeah. And I had, had, I had psoriasis my entire torso, back covered, chest, arms. It was itching. It was painful. It was irritating. I had gotten used to it and I had forgot, oh, John hasn't seen me.
1: And he was like,
0: yo what is going on? And I said, well, this is, this is a really bad breakout. Obviously. You're, you're just like, it's nothing to be concerned about <laughs> actually, don't worry. So John, rightfully so, he was like, we're, we're sitting over dinner. He's like, hey team, you gotta be in the know as to what's going on with Sammy. Dude looks like he's got leprosy. Yeah. And Dave Shabilski and Steve, the elders then rallied around and they said, hey, you need to go obviously. I had a dermatologist appointment set up. But it was I had downplayed it so much that that it 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 waved the flag to them. Something something is not not good. And intermittently in between all of those seasons I would go through times of just where I was sick, mm-hmm. sick with the flu, sick with you know upper respiratory issues on and on and on it was like I was forever dealing with something while at the same time pulling and thinking, I can't show weakness, I can't stop now, I can't let people down, I can't. And so the opposite of the emotional mental sort of despair was true of me. I was more driven by emotional mental sort of possibility, optimism, if I can just get to that threshold, that tipping point Mm. then i can find respite reprieve it'll get better Mm.
1: keep grinding until keep moving
0: until i could no longer see it Mm. then i lost it that was that was that was the probably the, the last crescendo of where i realized i've lost i've lost the vision of of what health looks like mm-hmm. of what good rhythm and pace looks like i've lost balance and i went to the elders about how long ago we talked this would be about i
1: think it was uh, 21 2021
0: 20, mm-hmm. yeah this would be about 3 years ago mm-hmm. um in well, the maybe yeah. yeah yeah it was 21 so i went to them and i just said I'm burning out. I'm burning out in um that I haven't stopped at certain places to do self-care. I haven't stopped at certain places to evaluate where I was mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I didn't even stop for my father's death. Mm-hmm. Like my father, he passed away. I did his funeral on a Friday. I preached on Sunday. Yeah. And you needed you needed to lead the church and through And I it, wanted right? to lead the church through Yeah. you know that huge, you know, loss. And I just felt the, the responsibility to do that. And mm-hmm. there's been times all throughout my ministry of where I just didn't stop. And so I went to the elders and I just said, I'm not well, I'm, I'm burning out. I've lost the, the, the frame of, of, of what is right, good and true of what God's called me to and so I went, um, they they cared for me in ways that I'll be eternally grateful, rallied around me, loved on me, in many ways reproved me, rebuked me for not coming sooner, hmm. for being so arrogant, of myself that I thought I couldn't stop, couldn't wave the flag. And then they cared for me in a way that they sent me away to um, Ruth and I, both to intense counseling with a pastor that was just sort of this mentor voice that really got pastors. Um, and we were just sewn and poured into for over the course of a week that was absolutely life-changing. Not only was it ex- extremely therapeutic, but then it provided me handles and tools to realize, this is what's happening within me. This is what I should do in those seasons. This is how I respond to those feelings. And so it was really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. All that said, that didn't come without pain and the pain of burnout. And now I just spoke specifically to me being a pastor, but I know that is common case with so many, whether, hey, you're speaking of teachers, doctors, occupational, you know, in sales, corporate, blue collar, doesn't matter, where you lose the picture, Mm -hmm. the hope, the optimism. Of where all of this fatigue starts to set in, it takes its toll mentally, emotionally. Yeah, well, I'm. It's
1: commonplace in one sense in that people experience the burnout. Yeah. But I'm curious how common it is in people catching it before they complete, completely spiral out. Totally. So in a sense, like you, you were able to recognize. Okay, maybe after, maybe after longer than necessary, you said, okay, something's got to give here. Absolutely. I need help. Yeah. Um, what are I know you've got an article here, but what are some things that people can hopefully be on the lookout for so that they can catch it before
0: it does its most damage? Absolutely. So when you speak of 50 percent of the American workforce is suffering from burnout, I'm going to argue that a lion's share of that could have been held at bay had people seen way earlier. I could have dealt much better, much more mature, much healthier, had I seen the telltales and owned them. Just didn't quickly dismiss them. In retrospect, after sitting with therapists and reading you know, various you know, sort of schools of thought, I, I quickly realized I saw so many of these red flags, if you will, telltales, way in the game, and I just blew right by them, mm-hmm. turned a blind eye. And so when it comes to us, i think we can really mitigate burnout i think one of the first things is um kerry newhoff great blogger um influence he actually was a guy that wrote extensively on burnout he he went through his own bout where he lists a litany of things that are so true i would read them and be like wait wait a minute that's mm-hmm. that's so good and and first is is that the most common is you simply lose motivation
1: mm-hmm.
0: like you know, when it comes to entrepreneurs, um, how did I just say that? I said that right. That succeeded. You you, you got you close. Just your yeah. I on just worked numbers. all those <laughs> R's in there. Um, That's a tough one. I'll give you that. I appreciate it. As tough as tight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's different every time I you know. say it. I know.
0: <laughs> so, People that plant and start businesses or plant churches, the thing that I love about them is, is there's typically a vein of self-motivation in them. They're optimists, they're visionaries, they can see it, they pursue it, they're willing to sacrifice for it. And then, you know, there's there's people that don't want to start their own business, but man, they get a job and man, they see themselves in it and they are appreciative of it. Man, they got a vision for their future, promotions, What happens is, is you start to lose motivation. Like, it's not just laziness. It's the heart and desire for it. That is one of the clearest indicators that the foreground of burnout has set in. The problem is, in this case, what burnout costs you is, is you lose motivation and you just can't find it. Mm. Like, you can't talk yourself through it can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps and like manufacture it, you just can't find it. Um, Why? Because you're burning out. So I would say for those of us listening, viewing that if you have lost motivation, it's at least worth asking the question, I wonder if I've lost my picture, lost my optimism, my frame, of what the future has in store, what God's called me to, all of those fill in the blanks. Number two, um, your main emotion becomes numbness. Hmm. Like you no longer have highs and lows. You don't even know how to celebrate wins. You can ask yourself, and I think this is valid, my therapist asked me this, when's the last time you really celebrated and felt deep gratitude for a win in your life. Wow. A win of what you've experienced in ministry, a win of what you saw in your kids, a win of maybe a threshold you crossed in your marriage. When's the last time that there was like a a, a true emotional response to a win? And then tell me about the last time that you felt really low. Yeah i was probably i could answer when i remember talking to joshua joshua was my therapist counselor i could identify the low hmm. because i think i was growing so accustomed to it of just this heaviness this melancholy yeah. this one aspect of of you know one of the flags of burnout is cynicism I became familiar with that. Mm-hmm. The when, not so much. You couldn't identify nope. anything? I couldn't, couldn't remember. Mm. And if I did You're like, well, it I'm was not like, there yet. Yeah. It was years ago and it was mm. fleeting. Mm. It was like so your your main emotion becomes numbness. It's okay. like a suppressant in yeah. there. Number three, people drain you. So I just want to speak to the extroverts out there that might be experiencing burnout. Many times the vein of extro, of an extrovert is is that people infuse life into you. When you get around dense population, you find yourself in the in, in the middle of a party, you get energized when people begin to drain you and you're running from or hiding from mm-hmm. and they're done that. Yeah, that's a telltale. That's you're burning out when yeah. you're trying to avoid people, when it used to be that you were drawn to people that's 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 a signal now I just want one one quick disclaimer on that one it's 2023 <laughs> What does that mean It means that people will drain anybody <laughs> okay. I mean yeah <laughs> peopling. <laughs> is a hard business. Yeah. It's a full-time job. No, and so I, don't be too down on yeah. yourself. If you're like, you know what? I really don't like people. Maybe I'm burning out. No, maybe it's just you don't like people. That's true. If, and you need more Jesus <sighs> in your heart. That's all.
1: It's okay to be an introvert though. Thank yes, you. it is. Well, I don't know about you, Becca, but. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, but if if you're someone who you, in your makeup and design, your baseline is to be that of an introvert or people have a tendency to drain you, but then you can go back and recharge. Absolutely. I think what we would say is if you are off of your baseline pretty, pretty well, strongly, sir. so you're an extrovert, you're typically not drained by people, but you're being drained by people, you're off your baseline. Yes. If you're an introvert and you're typically drained by people, but you're
0: like really drained by people, yes. then maybe that's off your baseline too. Speaking of baselines, leads us to number four. I'm gonna list nine. Okay. Hang, hang in there. <laughs> be so impatient. Yeah. Come on. It'll be over before you know it. Number four is is that little things make you disproportionately angry. Okay. So again, baseline. Yeah. If you're angry all the time, that's a whole nother matter. Yeah. You need a counselor, a hug, and a whole lot of Jesus. But if you, if your wick is really short and you pop off at nothing, somebody sort of doesn't put their turn signal on, pulls in front of you on 97, and you're hanging out the window giving the bird, <laughs> okay? You, it's likely you're burning mm-hmm. out or you got some matters that you need to talk to a counselor about. Yeah. But if you light off quick and everything creates this irritability
1: in you. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you know, I actually, I'm just now remembering this. I I attended a breakout, online breakout session with Kerry Newhoff, well it was like a video recording of him, but, and he talked about burnout. And it was this point specifically that he was going over and he said to the disproportionate responses, he's like, if something should be a two, like to your point, the turn signal. absolutely and you're responding like an eight, you're probably experiencing burnout. Right. But he also made the case that if something happens and it really should be an eight. Wow. And you have a two response. It's good. That's it's, another example. It's that numbness. Numbness and the disproportionate
0: responses. It, what? Right, great point. <laughs> Number five, you become cynical.
1: Okay, and you touched on that one.
0: Yeah. Yep, you become cynical and that's just a really bad place to be. Most certainly for those of us that are followers of Jesus, um, the family of God, when you grow critical and cynical towards your brothers and sisters and you can't take people serious and you can't empathize any longer and everything you have a snide remark for, or you're just sort of, you know, side eyeing, that is not loving. That is not the image of Jesus. That is not one that draws people to, and and that you feel like you can get close to, and that is a really dangerous place to be, as a pastor, of where you're just cynical towards people and their problems and their issues. Burnout will create that. Mm-hmm. Um, number six, your pro, your productivity begins to drop, mm. and and. Here's what I realized when I was burning out is that I would it felt like I was working harder and I would need to work harder to get the same results. Everything felt like an effort. Hmm. It was an effort to put sermons together, it was an effort to do staff care, it was an effort to um to really cast vision and to be clear. It was an effort to make decisions. My productivity was dropping. I still felt like I was doing all the things to juggle all the pieces, but it took so much effort. Yeah. I was working harder, not smarter. And I, I like to give the analogy of, of like an oil lantern. Mm. Uh huh. Listen, young pupil. This old sage is going to teach you a thing or two. <laughs> so like when you have an oil lantern, a wick that's dipped in oil that has an abundance of oil, it's a real clean burn. It's A nice narrow flame, wick is lit up. It illuminates all that's around it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that oil lantern depletes all of that oil, that wick will still burn. The problem is it's a dirty burn. Ooh. Ooh don't like that (laughs) like dirty burning it it'll still it smokes a lot okay it it gives off not a sweet aroma it it it's a little sporadic why because there's no oil in the tank and so the cleanliness or even the brightness of the burn is no longer there that is a clear picture of burnout Hmm. you're doing all the things it's just not clean. It takes a ton of effort to do what you once did before, and then the motivation behind it is depleted as well. And your attitudes many times are not optimistic or positive. It's all, you're doing it, it's just not a clean burn. Mm -hmm. That is a place that if you are working, whatever occupation you find yourself, um, I would just say, Consider how you're burning. Yeah. Consider how much oil you have and what you're drawing from to sustain all that. Mm-hmm. Very
1: insightful. Old sage <laughs> with your silver beard.
0: It's like considered a, uh, the, the silver-headed man's hair is considered a crown of wisdom. For those that walk in righteousness. Oh, okay. Uh There you Uh go. But you got it. In my case, it's the silver chin strap. (laughs) If I saw
1: that in scripture, I don't know what I would do.
0: (laughs) Does that say chin strap? There are stranger things. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is true. Number seven. One of the telltales of burnout is you start self-medicating. Okay. So you just pick a vice and you use that to cope with. Hey, it could be as innocent as a Netflix series that you go home, you sit down, and you don't get up until you get into bed, but you're just burning hours, sort of just mindlessly zoning out, okay? That's how some people cope. For others, it's a substance. It's drinking. It's prescriptions. It's a myriad of things that you go to to increase the numbness that you just wanna check out. You don't wanna carry stress any longer. You don't wanna carry pessimism any longer. You cope. For some, it's spending. It takes more and more money to get what you don't even need to satisfy some internal craving that'll never be met by a material and or possession, but you try to spend your way to joy once again. And so one of the telltales of burnout is is that you start self-medicating in a million and and one different ways of which I don't need to go into Mm -hmm. detail about. Number eight, number eight is, is that you no longer laugh again, going back to those highs and lows, going back to sort of that numbness. You, you, you can't recall. When's the last time I asked this to people often that I, I counsel or sit with, um, You know scripture says that laughter is like medicine for the soul i i I really think a clear indicator of one's mental and and emotional sort of state is when's the last time and now there are people that when they laugh baselines again yeah people laugh in all various manner Okay. I'm a very, I'm a loud laugher. Yes, you are. Okay. And I like laughing. I like laughing and, and, and crying. I like laughing and hurting. That's I like laughing where I feel drained at the yeah. end of it. However, there's some people that they'll never laugh like that. Their yeah. laugh is a little more like, <laughs> actually, that's no, that's sad. a terrible, what, what's a, what's a terrible laugh? Oh, give me
1: one boots. Like, do it? Yeah. Because I was just thinking of our uh, our kids coordinator, Zach. Oh,
0: Shats fired. Shots. He's
1: got a powerful laugh.
0: It and is. And a joyful laugh. Yeah, it his laugh joyful. scares me, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. But Zachary has a bombastic laugh. That is. That is. Definition. Yes. And then there's people that are much more tempered yeah. in their laugh. Measured. <laughs> We are far away from home. The question is, evaluating burnout, when's the last time you laughed? Yeah. That you really felt joy sort of from the inside flow out? I'll tell you the answer for me is about 15 minutes ago when you were, <laughs> couldn't say gazoon tight, and then I couldn't get set again. <laughs> I'm happy to serve in your laughter. Thank you. And then lastly, lastly, sleep and vacay no longer refuel you. Like, you can sleep all day, you can sleep the whole weekend away. You can go on vacay. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even try. Back, I just spit lines like it's my... That's cheesy. and, And you're not restored, refueled, or refreshed. That is... That doesn't mean that you're on the foreground of burnout. That means you're burning out. Yeah. So those would be it. Why do I why do we why do we itemize those and speak of those? Because I believe that if someone was a lot more intentional with me, or if I would have intentionally listened to people prior to me hitting my walls, I could have avoided a lot of pain, a lot of cost time. I may not have learned the lessons that God has taught me uh-huh. and developed the tools that I now have, but I could have, I could have really avoided you know, the wasted time with my kids, um, really the pain that came as a result of me telling people I have to step off or I'm not well. I could have avoided me just having to come to grips that I'm not healthy. Mm-hmm. Why? Because these telltales are common, and I think they're indicators to say, let's start doing what we need to do to avoid what's inevitably forthcoming.
1: Yes. So <clears throat> for someone who let's say that they they identify with or they recognize a handful yeah. of those things in themselves, um what what would be the the recommended course of path that you would suggest, keeping in mind, you know not everyone has the ability to take a sabbatical exactly right. or to go, you know, to receive intense counseling over the, the period of a longer time timeframe. Um, so
0: what's something that maybe could be done right now? Yep. Yep. So the first is, is I want to give people the push and uh, the permission to overcome first and foremost, your ego and pride of thinking that you still got to swing and slug it out. With no help or um, no end in sight. Like, I can't show weakness. I can't pull up. I can't tell people how I'm really feeling. Uh, a lot of, you know, your mind, and every other human for that matter, our worst enemy is the pride within us that wants to keep us doing the same thing in the same direction, hopefully realizing a different result. It doesn't fix itself. Burnout won't fix itself. So, Get over yourself a little bit, or enough to say, "Hey, I, I need to be transparent with somebody." Mm-hmm. That could be spouse, that could be parents, that could be coworkers, that could be employer, that could be college professor, that could be someone to say, "Hey, I think I've done some self-examination. I think I'm burning out." And so many times, you know. Secondly, I I, I would just commend the person that works for an employer, to find out whether or not there's avenues and you know provision resources at that company that would help you either sit with a counselor, therapist. I am way beyond uh, looking at therapy as a form of weakness. Oh no, I have a therapist or a counselor that's a mentor in many ways that I now have found Uh, a whole lot of life derived from because I'm able to sort of process, think outside, think out loud, um, my own echo chamber and it's proven incredibly helpful. So if you have an employer that has those resources, wonderful. If you have a college that has those resources, wonderful. If you do not have those resources, then you can always come to lighthouse church. Whereas we have those resources. We'd love to sit, talk, help you work through so that you don't have to feel the full weight of burnout. Yeah, and we also have um,
1: care at lighthouse.church. That's an email that Absolutely. you can, regardless of where you are, you can reach out to them as well.
0: Yes, and lastly, I would, I would just like to say this. Um, this, was, this was a takeaway from the Oaks when we went there, that I, I think one of the ways to, that is really helpful to view ourselves and to realize why we burn out is not just pace and rate you know pace and rate of the american sort of cultural landscape is fast it is fast so much now that we champion this idea of out grind out hustle outwork everybody that is a that's a joke that's a joke because that's killing people not it might be making people rich, but it's making them rich and miserable mm-hmm. at the same time. It's making them rich and having to sacrifice all the things that matter in hopes to outgrind, out, hustle out work so that you can get your house, you know, on the hill. It's a, it's a joke. It's, and the American dream is, is leading a lot of people astray because they don't know how to manage rhythm and they don't understand contentment. That's a whole nother matter. I'm getting ready to preach, but Mm -hmm. I do want people to realize this, that it's best to think of ourselves as sponges, that we're all individual sponges. And every given day, our sponge is then placed in various buckets that we draw from, or we pick up from. Mm -hmm. So our sponge has to be placed in the bucket of responsibility, kids, household, time management, you know, expectations of other people. It goes in that bucket and draws water from it. We go into the bucket of our own occupation, career, job path, we draw from it where demands are placed on us. Responsibilities are expected of us. Workload is carried by us. We then have the, the, the bucket of finances where we worry and think through finances, robbing Peter to pay Paul. We're drawing water from that. We have marriage buckets. We have parental buckets. We have college buckets. All of these sponges draw that water into them. And it is absolutely imperative that as human beings, we're able to periodically ring out where we empty all of that that we've picked up into something or someone that helps us alleviate all that we've been carrying. This is why Jesus says, come to me, those that are Filled, mm. if you will, those that are burdened and heavy laden, those that are carrying all that you've picked up, and take my yoke upon me, upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and when you do, you will find rest for your soul. Jesus invites us to empty out, but then he puts people in our path, therapists and counselors and people that that want to allow us to empty out, to ring out. Why? Because life doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. And you gotta put that sponge back into the same bucket tomorrow. And if you're not careful, what happens is you not only don't ring out, you then drip and bleed on everyone around you. And it manifests itself in a million and one ways, whether it's poor attitudes, anger, short wick, lack of motivation, cynicism, or the like you just drip. Why? Because you can only carry so much. We are not machines. We are finite and we are broken. What I realized in my burnout was I did not ring out. Hmm. I did not care for my soul well enough. I did not stop. I thought I was stronger than I was until I hit my wall and realized, wait a minute. I, I am a desperate and needy man that needs Jesus to satisfy my soul, not my production, not my work, not my producing, not my accomplishments. No, no, no. I need to find rhythms of rest, people that can care for me, therapists that will listen to me, on and on and on so that I can really fulfill God's call on my life. Mm-hmm. Whatever that may be, whether that's whatever field of work you're in, you're there as an ambassador of Jesus, a minister of reconciliation, a city on a hill. Mm-hmm. To fulfill that, you got to ring out. And so self-care is imperative and it begins with transparency.
1: Yeah, and that's really inspiring, man. Um, just your story and all of that and how you've, you know, grown and use that to your advantage mm. of coming out on the other side maybe having healthier boundaries as a result or healthier expectations all that stuff but of course to anyone listening the first step of that would be to recognize you are burning out yeah amen <laughs> so yep. uh again we certainly recommend that you check out care at lighthouse.church or any other resources that you might be aware of in your community uh but we thank you guys for listening Of course, following us on Spotify and Apple, giving that rating and review. Mm. Mm. And you can always check us out on Instagram as well, at Simplexity Podcast.
0: Love you guys.